object at the end of the chapter would disintegrate, um, it would be forgotten, uh, obviously the, you know, the bomb explodes and is sort of changed. Yeah. Um, rot, or, rot or corrode or something. And this is a book about the relationship with an identity and, and a mm. character and, and the body, um, the fragility of bodies. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is going to sound, again, my crass question, but is it, I mean, it's obviously something you've been through yeah, and, uh, and yeah. that was part of the identity that Tom has to kind of recompose. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the, the medical, you know, there's a sort of catheter and there's the, the there's bag of blood and there's mm. these things that are keeping him alive. And, you know, that, that sense of your oneself, you know, who, who you are when you're lying in hospital and you've got pipes coming in and out of you. Um, you know, it is, there's something of the sort of, there, that I wanted to explore that when I, when I wrote the book, I think. And it's, I, to destroy, I don't know, destroying the objects at the end wasn't. It is, I suppose, part of that, but it was. It was more the fact that I was always thinking about their life. Not always, but a lot of the time I'd be thinking about their lifespan. So it's another one of those ones that might be a bit of a happy coincidence. But mm. but it was just you know it felt that some of the objects you know needed they needed to to, to sort of. I'm, I'm interested in sort of entropy and sort of information disappearing and and that was mm. you know that so I was always. Thinking about that, the fact that these objects turn to dust, I and mean, it's one of the objects that does, you know, at the end. And I, and when I was writing that, I was thinking about it in, so I suppose, slightly poetic way about sort of conflict and, you know, um, trying to sort of mirror some of that. How about for you? I mean, was it a way, you know, fiction is obviously a way that, that people make sense of the world. Yeah. Um, this is a book about someone making sense of, of the most traumatic thing you could imagine happening to, to, yeah. to, to a person. Um, uh, that idea of entropy and, 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 and losing data was, was this a way to sort of almost try and fix something that was so difficult to grasp I mean someone's identity being reduced to a kind of almost sort of zero and, and there are moments where Tom seems all you know he is as you say almost the sum of these objects the blood that's keeping him alive a catheter a, the tourniquet it's, and then has to rebuild yeah. build himself in you know with the people that love him the most who he feels yeah. separated from was I don't want to again use a Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I think um, certainly things like the prosthetic limbs. You know, they re- they really do. They bring they give you back so much of what you lost in a way. I mean, there's obviously they don't replace completely, but they do. They do sort of. You know, one of the, two of the chapters are actually done from sort of different types of prosthesis, and um, I'm just I was just interested in that sort of. You know, because it's an, it's an, they, they become part of his body again, and um, I was interested in that. And there's but there's also a moment where one of the objects is a mirror, and he's looking at himself, and he he sees what he. I'm re- you know every time I still now when I'm walking down the street and I see myself in a glass you know a glass building, it, it looks odd to me because my my sense of self is not how I appear you know not how I think how I appear to the world is not how I think I appear in my own mind and when I you know when I was first in you you first see that there's this space where you used to have legs and, and your stumps sort of shrink and it becomes you know that that is there's something very sort of that's very hard to take I think sometimes and so I wanted to sort of explore that a bit in the book I mean there's a, lo- there's a lovely line towards the end of the novel um um about I think I, I don't know if it's this sort of version of the, the prosthesis, but uh, you had dreams of as a fetish of the possible that the, the life that 
that these objects could potentially give, and I guess then the identity that you could get, you know, this idea of, again, to put it crudely, you know, a return to kind of normality or, or being able to walk and then being able to run event- eventually. Um, is, and that's the kind of really poignant hmm. side of a lot of these objects, that they are the ways that you recovered, or, yeah. or, or, or sorry, the way that Tom re- recovers a sense of self. And I guess... But this yeah. is also heartbreaking. What if this didn't? That you well, it doesn't. Loads? It doesn't quite work. Yeah. You know, it's not quite work because he, because he's, you know, I, and it's this, the fetishization of objects is something that I sort of I wasn't thinking about that. I suppose that's a bit of a reference to that. We, you know, we covet something that you know, a new whatever in a magazine, and then we get it, and and then it's, it somehow loses some of its. I well, you know, often an object can lose some of that excitement that you or that you, what you thought was possible when you actually then have it. It's not, not you know. It's not quite as exciting as before you had it, and I, I don't know if I make any sense there. But the, but what I was certainly with that, you know, he, he he one of these amazing multi, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds for this leg, this microprocessor leg, and you know, he he thinks that this is going to be something that's going to give him back what he had before, and then the realization is actually it's still pretty tough and. It's still attached by sort of silicon liners that are uncomfortable and hot, and he can still only go at sort of walking pace. Mm. Um, and he, he, so, so the, you know, I was I was interested in that. But is this idea of the identity of, of realizing your identity is never going to be sort of predicated on this this old idea of who who you were as a soldier joining up as a, um, someone who loved running and um, this you know speaking about Tom, but. Um, and cl- I guess climaxes with this extraordinary moment in the in the pub when yeah. someone says, "If the guys who who put the bomb in the ground, if they walked in now," and and, and Tom says, "I'd I'd shake their hand." And it was mm. it is an it, it's a it's a striking moment. Yeah, um, and uh, people have asked quite often about that moment mm. and whether I really felt that, you know, or am I is that just made up? Mm. Some, and I, you know, I genuinely, from pretty early on, I didn't, you know, I didn't feel anger. I mean, going through the, because I think I did mourn the loss of my legs and the sort of quite, you know, you're angry. I don't know what they are, but the stages of loss. Oh, yeah. And I was angry, but not for very long. I think, and it mainly because if you're going to be stupid enough to be a soldier, then, you know, you've got to expect that this stuff might happen. And then, when, and then obviously, you've got a morphine going on and you're, you know, you're propped up by drugs. And, and then you're actually, you're in a, you're getting better and you're being you're um that that the recovery up for me and i think you know i placed that on tom as well it was was quite an exciting you know learning to walk in was was quite exciting and fulfilling in a way um but so, so there was no anger like that and i you know i'd always think if if there were foreign soldiers rumbling down my street you know how would i react and i you know i'd probably be planting bombs as well um so you know, I'd always thought about it like that, and and that's one of the reasons that there's these sort of, you know, we talked about the the, the insurgents being m- mirrors of mm. you know, and I you know the reasons that they joined up, doing what they do might not be that dissimilar to what to what uh, well, the reasons that I I joined up and ended up in a conflict zone. So I wanted to sort of show that, and it, and I suppose cause, and also show that my often my friends were more angry. Were much more angry than I was. Oh, so on your behalf? Yeah, sort of angry that on my behalf, and I wanted to sort of reflect that in the book.
my, am I right in thinking that I mean, soldiering, as it was for Brian Turner, I think in his memoir talks about sort of generations of, of Turners being, being, I think going back to the Civil War, sort of joined up the army. The, the Parkers are kind yeah. of soldiers. Yeah, all sides of the family, actually. Uh, when, I, when I left the military, I think that the first time in 100 years that there hadn't been someone... <laughs> and, and of course, you know, there's, you know, the conscription of these, but that's still a pretty impressive mm. stat. And actually, they they were all volunteers, soldiers in the navy, or in the navy, um, and so it was always an option. Although it wasn't, it was never, you know, I went to art school and things, and so there, there was always, and I studied history of art at university, but so there was always, an, uh, you know, it was never this is definitely what I'm going to do, but it was always an option. Was it a I mean, you talk about the romance of, of being a soldier. Was there, was it, before you joined up, was there a certain kind of romance almost sort of pulling you? Whether it's the romance of a kind of family mythology or just, just the... Uh, yeah, sort, I, a, a sort of, yeah, excitement or... Yeah, I think, I think the reason people... The reason certainly I joined the army is, you know, so many different things. You know, about... You know, the tiniest amount is probably having something to do with country and things like that. But most of us do, you know, good wage and and, <laughs> and, a, and a solid job that feels like it's going to be have some sort of self worth and yeah. and also you know the opportunity to lead British soldiers and that I suppose that's the sort of romance of it. You know, being out there, but also you know you've watched and you're sort of there is an element of the, the, the sort of the, the ten year old who went into the wood to make bases and stuff you know you it's basically like that but you get a lot better kit and the bases are much bigger it's also much more dangerous but it's still exciting you know so when did you join uh, I joined up in 2005 so um so well sort of after 9-11 yeah exactly the, the war it's sort of so the invasion of so, so that was all, it's all already but I never it was never because there were people who joined up at the similar time with me that wouldn't have joined I don't think had there not been stuff to do, but I don't. It, for me, it wasn't like that. You know, it wasn't. I didn't join in order to because there was a big conflict going on, and you know, you, I'm going to be a lesser man if I don't go and, you know, um, go and go and experience it. I mean, my wife's American, and she's got friends in her hometown who, after 9/11, joined up. A, there was a sense yeah. of kind of mission. So it wasn't. It didn't feel like that for me, and I think maybe that's more to do with the, to that family tradition. Mm. You know, even if we had been sitting behind the. Berlin Wall or whatever I you know it was it, it was that was obviously an, an ad you know you're going to be tested you, the likelihood is you're going to be tested on what you've been trained to do and that's a very that's a very strange thing in itself that want to go and do what you've been trained to do um, and the sort of that that the flick between wanting to go to war but actually being being anti-war which I think you know in my opinion um, soldiers, the best soldiers are, you know, but a good soldier is anti-war, and those that aren't are, you know, getting it wrong. Um, and so that's quite an interesting because you want to go and be tested at what you've been trained, but at the same time, you know, wars are a bad thing. Um, and no one knows that in a funny sort of way. Almost more than soldiers, whatever side of the conflict you're on, I mean, you're putting your, your yourself on the line. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What did you know of the? Of the countries you were going to go to the, in, in the Middle East, um, uh, so you went to Iraq, Iraq yeah, in two thousand and seven. I mean, the the British Army, I mean, and 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 the American Army, and, and all of NATO learned pretty quick that you had to, that to to try and have any effect in these conflicts, that you had to have as much understanding of where you were going as possible. Um, 
but it's just it's just such a hard thing for a white middle class bloke from Wiltshire to really truly understand the place these places you know you can read as much as you like but also you know learning language you know you know so so few people had the language and things like that and that ability to communicate properly um so I, you know, although there was, you know, there, there was, there has always been, and and from some pretty hard lessons, uh, always increasing want to to sort of cult, be culturally aware is the way they, that the army would, I suppose, describe it. Um, but you still then you do end up rolling through Basra in a thirteen-ton armored vehicle. Um, so you, know, you can be culturally aware, but you know, <laughs> how culturally aware can you be in a thirteen-ton? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we. I mean, it's, these these places it's difficult. It's difficult. Mm. You know, it's, it's just a bloody difficult. Yeah, this is, this is me. <laughs> how quickly do you gain the sense of of how you were being perceived? Perhaps there's a different way of saying about cultural awareness of 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 how people in Iraq and I guess there's a huge kind of you know mm. gen, that's a huge general, generalisation people in Iraq because obviously lots of different yeah. factions and different attitudes but the rate perhaps the range of perceptions that you that you were I mean there was there was a, there was a sort of range as you say there was a huge range there were those people who were pleased that we were there and those that really really weren't but 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 I think um there was also always that underlying feeling of fear that, you know, especially when I was there in 2007, it had got to a point where it was very difficult, I think. I felt like that the, the, even, those, even those that were in any way in favour of us being there, it would be very, it'd be very hard for them to show it too visibly. But you'd still get people coming to the base and giving you information and things, but they'd, they'd be doing it at significant risk to their own life. Did you, I mean, did you have that sense that that as well as doing good, that there were sort of ways that your presence was... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was... You know, I, and I... It feels a long time ago, so I don't know how much of this is somebody else's story that I'm nicking, but, you know, there were times when... Or there were stories where you'd be trying to use a, a member of the local population or, or something in order to... Because they were being helpful towards you and you were trying to build on that. You know, they, they were they were offering help and information and they were they were trying to support you in order to support, the, you know, the government of Afghanistan, I suppose. Um, and then, you know, the next day you'd hear that they'd had their head chopped off or, you know, something like that because of their actions. And, you know, that's, that's probably, you know, pushed together about 15 different stories. Mm. But there was always that sense that, you know, you'd have to protect... You, you would... Or, you know, it's very, you had to be very careful about how you were, um, act, you know, acting, I think. I think Brian Turner talked about even just throwing sweets to, to, mm. to kids running after, you know, um, the sort of vehicles he'd be on could even, if, it, yeah. Yeah, if they saw the sort of American sweets or... Um, yeah. I mean, it's... This is... I, the way I've always thought about it is you, you drive your... And the, I'm, this is an exaggeration, but you drive your armoured car onto a junction to sit there and, and it would be midday and people would be going about their business and then you know a group of kids would come along and they'd start throwing stones at you because you could and they'd throw bigger bigger stones and then their old brothers would come and they'd throw stones and you'd, you'd get to the point where you'd, you'd have to take some action so you'd sort of move your armoured vehicles or you'd call another armoured vehicle in and then they're older then their dads would come along with their AK-47s and suddenly they're firing at you so you're firing back and then 
you're on the net saying we need we need backup, and then another couple of armored vehicles would come in, and and suddenly you know the security that you that you put down is making the area more insecure. You know, it's it's an easy thing to say, but sure. that that balance is it was always I found very you know it's very interesting. You know, how do you deal with the fit? I mean, Brian Turner talks a lot about being bored and and frightened. I, I mean, being bored. We were. I always felt pretty busy. Maybe. I mean. There were obviously time down uh, when I was in Iraq. It was very. It was the the British Army was pulling out of Basra City to the contingency operating base that was in the desert. So we were the last battalion or battle group of about six hundred people in the middle of a city of two million people, and we had to pull out. And so you 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 were quite isolated, although you had lots of support and sort of kit thrown at you because you were the isolated lot. But we, we were always patrolling or on guard. Um, and as an officer, you're always coming out, you're always thinking about the next plan or, you know, there's always something to do. So the boredom thing, it's just slightly felt, but, it, you know, there's always mm. stuff to be done, you know, um, even just sort of managing people's report writing. I mean, that, you know, those are, that's the, that, you know, those are the weird, sometimes the weird things that you're, you're sort of dealing with welfare issues of your men or... or, or or some sort of very sort of management things where at the same time you're having to do the sort of leadership which is about closing with and killing the enemy, you know, um, or reassuring the, the, the population, mm. you know. Um, the fear the fear thing, I, and I talk about it a bit in the book, it, it, it's sort of... Because you're busy, or I was busy, and I think Tom Barnes is probably a bit less busy than I was, so he has more time to think... In the book than I did, but there so there were certain chink, you know chinks in the chinks chinks in the in the sort of um, bravado or that that sense of invincibility mm. where you'd be lying in bed often when somebody had been hurt or killed and, and you'd start to think about it and certainly toward you know that that whereas you get towards the end and you've been away from home a long time and you the sort of adjustment of thinking I'm going to be home in four weeks' time or two weeks' time and, and not quite being able to place yourself there and having to do those last few patrols, I, you know, that, that, was, that was quite, you know, that, interesting. Yeah.